Hello and welcome to another episode of Mark My Words, Don't Forget the Colon. So in today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Matthew Smith, who, as far as I'm aware, is a Labour supporter. And although I'm never going to expect him to be able to support or even represent the entire Labour Party, I'm very grateful for him being able to come on the podcast and just give me his opinions and his insights. I'm not someone that's really ever been mm, loyal to either party or any part of the spectrum, so I'm very happy to just try and be swayed and persuaded. So yeah, can't wait to hear what he has to say. But before we get into the interview in this episode, you know exactly what's coming. It's Alfie Makepeace's GoFundMe page. Come on, we've got to get this money for him. It's over £3,000 in two months. Do as much as you can. I am begging you. This is changing an entire person's life. This is so important. Alfie did a fantastic episode where he really bared his soul for us in episode seven. Please go listen to that if you can. It is so important to me, to him, and to the queer community that we support him. Anyway, the Alfie Challenge is a really important part of this podcast, and I'm really uh, grateful to everyone that's taken part in it so far, but you need to as well. So obviously go through all the steps. Step one, share the Instagram post from Alfie's episode, which is episode seven, from this podcast onto your story and say, at mark.mywordspodcast, step one. And if you want to, let's start a hashtag, hashtag Alfie challenge, yeah? And then get on to step two, which is sending a positive message into this podcast page, mark.mywordspodcast. And that way we can spread some love for Alfie and just make him feel like there's a real community here supporting him because he deserves the world. And step three, donate if you haven't already and spread by word of mouth to your friends because at the end of the day, step one and two are great to really help this guy have the backing of the community and all of us listening. But at the end of the day, we do need hard cash. So spread the word to as many people as you can because even if you only give five pounds, if you tell 10 people and they all give five pounds, that is so much more worthwhile than you stretching out to give 10 pounds. But obviously, if you can, do give 10 pounds. Do you see what I mean? Anyway, so on this episode, I'm so grateful that Paridi, who did last episode with me, episode 12, give that a listen to, she sent in a positive message, which is, I believe Alfie is a brilliant person. He deserves all the help to live his truth and feel like he's in his own skin. Thank you, Prudy. That is so true. He is such a great guy. And at the end of the day, trans rights are human rights. Everyone deserves to feel comfortable with who they are and how they present themselves in society and in life. And so please, please, please donate. Please take all three steps and let Alfie live his truth. Because if you've listened to episode seven, he deserves it like everyone else. So in this week's Pod Blast, where I put a podcast on Blast, I'm going to be recommending the Sky News Daily Updates. I know this is the most out-of-the-ordinary recommendation from me, but recently I've been really enjoying the Daily Updates with Dermot Murnaghan, M-U-R-N-A-G-H-A-N. Sorry, I don't know how to say it properly. But basically, it's a really good daily update on the podcast uh, forum. You get about half an hour of daily news, and there's interviews and different discussions, and it's all pretty well sourced as well. Um, and it's not necessarily all about COVID and such. So it's, it is contemporary and it is relevant, but it's not focused on the doom and gloom that we're all facing every day that we all are getting far too much information about. Um, I'm really enjoying it because it makes me feel like I'm sort of keeping an ear to the ground and understanding what's happening in the daily world, but at my own pace, my own leisure, and I'm not having to keep in touch with everything that's happening in the world through newspapers or the TV, which I may not always have access to. So if you're interested in just a half an hour daily update on the news, it's the Sky News Daily with 
uh, Dermot Menorgan, Menorgan, M-U-R-N-A-G-H-A-N. So, yeah. So, as I said before, in this section, I am now joined by Matthew Smith, who is very openly a Labour supporter. And as I said in the introduction, this interview is not him representing the entire Labour Party or the left of the spectrum, but this is one individual. And I'm very grateful for him just to, to chat about his views. So, hi, Matthew. I'm um, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Oh, it's dead good of you to come on. So, basically, I want to start from the very beginning. The left of the spectrum, the Labour Party, all that mm. good stuff. Um, mm. For someone who, as I've said before, is not... Mm, I've not really decided on any political party. I don't really know where I fit. Mm-hmm. What is it that the Labour Party does for you that draws you in to vote for them? Well, I think at the end of the day, whether or not I believe it's doing it as well now as it was in the past, but it's a party of that was founded on like the principles of socialism and kind of like fighting for workers' rights, I guess, because like the original founder, um, he wasn't a say, he was Keir Hardy though. Um, he originally founded the Labour Party and I think he was a minor or something like mm-hmm. that, but um, weren't getting the best conditions back in the day, like a hundred years ago, like workers and he was kind of like fed up at the time of the establishment and it, he kind of founded it to try and help people and like, Obviously, that's what like Clement Attlee did as well after World War Two, like kind of building the welfare state, and that's I think that's what Labour's all about, really trying to like kind of help the country by helping the bottom first, and then helping from the bottom up. Well, that's all well and good, but that's it sounds like it's the beginning of the party, and I think again from a historical perspective, that's very um, that's a nice story. But what is <laughs> yeah. it? What is it about Labour today? that's bringing you in because you know i could say well the green party had a nice foundation but i don't agree with its current policies for example honestly mate that's that's a very tricky question to be honest because as as of recently well since like the leadership elections the labor party has kind of been pushing me away and like i'm kind of feeling more not alienated from it but like i don't know I I, i don't like the direction it's headed and would myself be more likely to did we not have us past the post as our electoral system i would probably vote greens if we had say proportional representation but because of first past the post and the way the electoral system works it's really it's a two-party system it's always going to be like labor versus the conservatives so i guess it's, it's just you know it's 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 the lesser of two evils so to say okay well for the sake of devil's advocate let's pretend you're uh, let's take it back in time. So, mm. could I would I be correct in thinking you were a hardcore Corbyn supporter? Uh, yeah, I would, yeah, I would, yeah, I guess. Okay, so let's say, devil's advocate. I'm on the other side of the fence, and I don't agree with Corbyn, and mm-hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. What was it about Corbyn that drew you in? I think the thing with Corbyn was he was a real person. Like all, well, not all, but like I don't know. Obviously, Ed Miliband or Tony Blair or like all politicians are obviously real people but like they're all talking not that much walk if you know what i mean they're all kind of in the westminster bubble they're all it's all just party politics to them it's all about furthering their career like career politicians you know what i mean someone like ed Miliband, you know like i think back around when he won the leadership elections before jeremy corbyn his, his brother was also running in it like dave Miliband, he was running the elections but ed Miliband, like I don't remember the specifics at the time because like it would have been like 
10 or 12 or something like that. But I heard a lot of rap about um, Ed Miliband like, stabbing his brother in the back in the leadership elections. So, like, I don't know, Corbyn was the opposite of that. Like, he was the most kind of, I don't know, like, he was an actual human when they were robots. Like, the guy, the guy is an MP. He was the leader of the Labour Party, and I'm pretty sure even during that time, he still found his own, he still found in his own spare time, time to volunteer at a soup kitchen, like, helping the homeless and stuff. Like, when coronavirus hit out, like, became a thing and started getting loads of cases everywhere, the, the the first place in the country to have like an organized response and like a place where like you could go for food or like they would help drop off food was in Islington North, his constituency that he had helped to set up. So it sounds as if basically you enjoyed the refreshing idea that Corbyn had values and beliefs as well as the force of personality. He was someone you could hold on to and believe in personally. Yeah. Do you, do you think that then runs the risk of voting based off likability as opposed to actual practicality and ideology like we may have in america for example i mean i i guess but at the same time i don't think it was the likability which was why i loved corbin summer it was literally like i don't know i i didn't like him necessarily for his like i mean i loved his policies like his, his fully costed manifesto which everyone claimed was economically unaffordable but then like i don't know the government have currently given them it's more money than that whole manifesto just in like dodgy ppe contracts but he i don't there was just something about him that was real he was you could tell he was a politician that was actually for the people for a change when most of them like i don't know like yes Starmer, for example I'm, i don't think he's a bad bloke i think he probably would make good change if he was prime minister and he would be a hell of a lot better prime minister than boris johnson that goes without saying but like he would be a prime minister in the way that Tony Blair was prime minister. Like, you know, he, he, he did some good help. He, like, he made some good changes, helped people like Sure Start, like helps with education, helping like kids from disadvantaged backgrounds, like education, maintenance allowances, all that. But then at the end of the day, like inequality still existed. The wealth, the real, real wages didn't grow drastically. And like, I know it can't really blame Tony Blair for the financial crisis, but then like, I don't know. Politicians after that haven't really been for the people. And Corbyn was, which is why I think he was demonized by the media so much, because he actually would have offered and could have actually made such massive changes that would have, you know, changed things in a way that Starmer wouldn't. Well, I think that it's interesting that you bring up the media, because I think when, from what I remember, when David Cameron was in power and there was all the the viral photos of him um, you know, eating a bacon sandwich, for example. Mm-hmm. By comparison, when we had um, Jeremy Corbyn and there was that video of him on the train line saying there's no seats available, yada, yada, yada. And then it turned out that actually he walked past rows of empty seats to make that video. There seems to be a sort of a sort of hypocrisy that the media dragged him and yet he was also trying to twist facts in his favour. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, he was clearly trying to say a good message to the train workers, but also it wasn't entirely accurate and plausible. Yeah, no, I I, I do get that, but I don't know. I guess that is a case that is quite hard to defend because, like, it is obviously a bit deceitful and whatnot. Did you think that then leads into the idea that maybe even though you liked his personality, he was perhaps a bit of a queer politician in that instance? Honestly, though, I I, I, I kind of don't 
as, as it is it is obviously like it, it it damages the credibility aspect of Fairmount, but in the, at the same time, like I still don't think that's enough of a reason to call him a career politician because during that time, I'm pretty sure he was fighting one of the elections. It was an upcoming election against Theresa May, I believe, around that time. And so obviously, okay. like, I I couldn't give you the date. No, nah, me, me neither. Like to be honest, it's all quite a blur. <laughs> but um, I can imagine obviously he was trying to get good pu- publicity because obviously wanted to win on the election, you know. But like, mm-hmm. if you if like we wind back the clock, like I don't know, thirty years, Jeremy Corbyn was like protesting like apartheid and stuff. Like I I, I there's everyone's seen the picture on Facebook, and he's like literally getting arrested as an MP like outside just like protesting. Whereas like Boris Johnson and David Cameron, they're all in there like eating suits and yeah stories again stories because I don't know if this is accurate, but like of them burning like paper money in front of homeless people and stuff like that. And then you have all the people that Boris Johnson's like stood on and betrayed and like, you know, he's like a career politician. Like he was mayor of London, like then, oh, what can I do next? Oh, I'll try and be prime minister. And then he got it. And now I think he's kind of shown that he doesn't really know what he's doing. <laughs> but Well, I think that's, that may be oversimplifying because oh, he God, didn't yeah. leap into office. Although I, I appreciate the sentiment that Jeremy Corbyn at least appears to have fought for what he believes in over the mm-hmm. years. But then it does strike me as odd that for such a long time, it seemed that there was a storm brewing where he was becoming more and more popular. But why do you think he fell from grace so suddenly after losing the election? Because now it seems that he's being demonised all over again. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to point fingers here because that's obviously counterproductive. And like the person who I'm sort of pointing the finger at is obviously not the enemy. But like, I think it was obviously the result of the general election and even though he didn't everyone said it was a landslide loss he still in the 2019 election won more votes than tony blair won in in two of his terms but um because the first past the post and brexit was a big part in it because brexit ruled this election if there was no brexit and it was in the election was based purely around like party politics and things like that i think it would have been massively different had there not been like the three years of the whole brexit divide but i think given brexit in such a tricky position because Labour was in the incredibly awkward position where like the Conservatives most of them they were on the Leave side there was obviously some Remainers but with Labour it was literally a 50-50 split so if if Labour if Labour took the position to be like okay yeah we're, we're gonna respect it we're leaving half the party would have been mad if they're like okay yeah we'll remain half the party would be mad you know and he would put in that predicament and none other than Keir Starmer the shadow Brexit secretary at the time at the proposition and the idea oh yeah let's 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 go for a second referendum and he pushed that idea and he persuaded jeremy corbyn to make that the the public policy if they got elected to pursue a second referendum and put it back to the people and then obviously that backfired but everyone's blaming like jeremy for the idea when like i think jeremy personally did want brexit even though like i wouldn't have wanted brexit i still i don't know I i think that was an impossible position for anyone to have been in to be honest. Well, I think that's a very fair statement that maybe it wasn't necessarily his personal downfall, but do you think that then maybe there's an element of a leader of a party and therefore a country needs to be able to unite people who are divided over key issues such as Brexit? Oh, I mean, gosh, it's not man. as if the Conservative Party had smooth sailings throughout the election. No, no, you, you, you are 110% right, but I I, I don't know. I, I, I guess the only way that I, I don't know, because people would say that 
Boris has united the country, in quotations, I guess, for Brexit, but like he hasn't because obviously half the country still don't want it. And like he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he's like we're approaching like a cliff edge no deal Brexit and no one not even the EU don't know what's going on. Like obviously ministers and he knows kind of what's going on, but it's all last minute and it's all not making sense and it's all so speedily slapdash kind of no plan and no for different ideas like the literal and it's and it's okay. a masquerade of uniting because the media alongside okay. it and supporting the narrative, you know, like like yeah, like the telegraph and other outlets saying how the EU are gonna bow to our negotiations and stuff like that and how the EU need us more and we need them and it's just it's simply not true. Like Well, that's definitely plausible and i'm not going to say whether or not i agree or disagree or whatever but it does certainly stand as an argument i think the issue with brexit is that it's such a polarizing Mm -hmm. argument that everyone on every side is agreeing and disagreeing over nothing really but then by comparison let's get into corbyn's policies Mm -hmm. specifically so you say you said earlier that you are attracted to the labor party because there's that inclusivity and um, no man left behind and you know like the grassroots yeah. foundation of the party I th- yeah right? i think i think the main the main cause not the main cause the main clause um and i remember when i was learning politics at a level um i remember my teacher explaining it it was like the found the foundings of kind of what it was on and it was like equality of opportunity because there's like obviously there's like equality okay. and then equality of outcome and equality of opportunity and like i yeah. think like obviously a equal- like true equality or equality like that's like i don't know communism like the soviet union everyone's the same like and that's not really good but like yeah the utopia yeah view. but then obviously having no inequality and having massive inequality like i don't know america for example america is a very very unequal society like that's kind of like the more yeah. extreme end of capitalism and that's also really not very good you know people going bankrupt because like they fall off their bike and break their arm and then like lose their house because they can't afford afford to pay their medical bills because it's not covered by their insurance and it's just like that's that's it's not it's not worse but it's it's it, i don't see how it's better as such because at least if you're in the poverty in the soviet union fair enough you may not have had much but you would have had free education and free healthcare. you know it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's okay it's, well it's different you need a blend of both yeah and i think that's um, what corbyn so was offering the reason I bring this up, though, is that it, you may well um, make the point that that Corbyn was evoking a feeling of um, equality of opportunity among his policies yeah. and just socially yeah. as well. But then let's really get to the nitty and gritty of this. The anti-Semitism mm. claims, they plague oh, Corbyn's yeah, they um, run and they are plaguing him now. Oh, yeah, still to this day, um, even though he's, not, he's, he's just a backbench MP again. And they're still making headlines out of it. But, well, that's quite a generalised thing to say. How do you... Could you develop what you mean by making headlines out of it? Do you think there's no smoke without fire? Do you know of any actual... Like, what is is the reason behind Jeremy Corbyn being anti-Semitic, though? Like, at the the end of the day, what evidence is there? Like, is there... Because I, I certainly can't seem to find anything that he's said or anything that he's like done. You know what I mean? He's he's been he's always been a strong supporter of the Jewish community. He's always he's always stood up for them when people have been like 
not being the nicest, you know what I mean? Because like Jeremy's the kind of person who fights for every single person in society. Doesn't matter if you're a minority. Doesn't matter if you're a majority. Doesn't matter who you are, what ethnicity, what like, and anything, sexuality, gender. Like it doesn't matter. Jeremy's got you back. You know, like he's the kind. He's the kind of okay. person who is literally wants would be friends with anyone and everyone, and doesn't really discriminate like that. So like, I just okay. I just I think the claims well, kind of come from nowhere really, because like I, I, okay. Because it's it 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 sounds like not conspiracy theory, but it sounds like I'm going off topic. But I think the whole anti-Semitism issue isn't a problem with Jeremy Corbyn in the Labour Party being anti-Semitic as such. Obviously, I think there has been a few instances of individual members, and I think they have been dealt with. I'm not 110 percent sure. Like, I, but like okay. speaking about Corbyn specifically, I think the greater issue at play is like Israel and the Israeli lobbyists and things like that. And it sounds sketchy and far flung, but it's it it's really not like when you actually like look into it and do like a bit more a bit more digging and deeper reading and things like that. Okay, well the reason I bring it up is because um can I just ask, would you consider BBC News um a reliable source of information? Oh that's that's a tricky one that because like, I would I would okay. say semi reliable. Well, I I'd, I'd I wouldn't say it's unreliable, I but I would say it's biased. Okay, well, um, be that as it may, I found an article here, and um, I'm. It's by yep, 29th of October, so it's relatively <clears throat> recent. Um, it starts off by saying that um, the watchdog, um, which investigated the uh-huh. party, which was the Equality and Human Rights mm-hmm. Commission, um, which I would personally consider quite um, reliable, yes, reliable, said said that um, its analysis points to a culture within the party which, at best, did not do enough to prevent anti-Semitism and, at worst, could be seen to accept it. And then later on, it also says um, it appeared to be a result of a lack of willingness to tackle anti-Semitism rather than an ability to do so. And there is even mention of an approach and leadership to tackling anti-Semitism, which was insufficient. Um, How would you respond to that? I I, I I would respond in the same way that I earlier did, being like, okay like that that seems like a pretty damning report to be fair and it, it makes it sound like mm-hmm. there's been the issues in the party and they haven't been dealt with but as far as i'm aware i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure there was an mp a couple of years back who was saying some anti-semitic things and i'm pretty sure he got the whip was drawn but like mm-hmm. again where where is like where where's the where's where's what 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 is what is some what has Jeremy said? You know what have the Labour Party said that's been anti-Semitic? Like I know there's the allegations and the accusations, but where's the actual raw kind of? Where's the yeah exactly? Like... You know what I mean? Where's the video of Jeremy like saying some horrible things or like other people who are like tied or linked to Jeremy Corbyn? You know what I mean? Like if if there are things there that, and like it has came out that Jeremy Corbyn behind everyone's backs has been like I don't know absolutely slate in the Jewish community. Then fair, then fair enough, you know what? Like, I'll, I'll give them that. That is anti-Semitic. But like, to my knowledge, and like, I don't know. It, it's, I, I don't. Okay. Like, I've, I've seen. I've obviously, you can, you can go on the news and you can see loads of news saying that the party is anti-Semitic. But then you can also read news that's saying like how from like Jewish newspapers saying how the Jewish community supports Jeremy Corbyn. I remember the election time. There was loads of pe- Jewish people saying that the whole anti-Semitism claim was kind of 
you know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to swear and say bull crap, but like, and obviously I can't speak for the Jewish community because I'm not Jewish. Like, and I'm sure obviously if there might be some Jewish people out, out there, who might, I don't know if they do feel insulted by him or feel like he's wronged them in some kind of way or said something offensive, then I invite them to like speak up, but to provide and what evidence and kind of say what has actually offended them because I'm just yet to see anything that is, could actually be classed as anti-Semitic, like whether it's an action, a word, anything that's been done okay. by Jeremy Corbyn or his kind of, or, or the Labour Party under his leadership. Okay, well, um, just to clarify, the report doesn't mention specific actions, but it does mention mm-hmm. a culture. Um, so moving on from there, um, I'm just thinking of how we mm-hmm. can wrap this up, but would you agree that essentially, in your opinion, that um, the media damned Corbyn oh. before they gave him a chance and that most of the claims against him are... Gosh, yeah, headlines. like 110%. Like, I remember learning in A-level sociology about Marxism and about some of the tactics that the media use, like, because um, Karl Marx said back in the day that religion is, is the opium of the people. And I think... Uh, newer sociologists from the 60s said um like the media is the new opium of the people not religion anymore and so obviously like media is a powerful thing you know like there's like the whole thing about facebook influence and elections and things like that and obviously everyone's got like there's like closed off things like you don't not get exposed to the full the full view of things like echo chambers that's what they're called most people in this country like obviously people are happy like some people are happy but there's a lot of people that are unhappy and people don't need to be unhappy but it's just because the way the system is but it doesn't have to be that way but like i think corbyn knew that and corbyn wanted to change that and obviously the people in charge who like run the media like people like rupert murdoch you know like they they obviously don't want that so this he had no chance from the beginning like and that's why i I, I distrust keir starmer because the media disliking corbyn and making all these like kind of smear campaigns like even the bbc this is why I, i question the bbc's credibility because i remember literally watching like BBC News at home. And there was a picture of Jeremy Corbyn outside the Kremlin with a Russian hat. And it was completely photoshopped because like obviously he didn't go up to the Kremlin and wear like a like one of the Russian kind of hats. But it was just the fact that they put him there just like on BBC News at six, like for an article. And it's kind of like, wait, why are you why are you doing that? And that's the BBC, you know? Mm. But then there's none of it with Starmer. They absolutely all love Starmer. So it's like, well if they if they didn't like Storm if they didn't like Corbyn, but they like Starmer, then like it just makes me think that Starmer doesn't have the public's best interests at heart as much as Corbyn did. Well, that's a fab way to end it. Thank you ever so much for your time. And I really appreciate you bringing your pains. Thank podcast. you so much for having me as a guest. It's been an absolute privilege and an honor and happy to chat. And so after an interview like that, you are probably in the mood for helping other people and being nice to someone else. Well, You can do that very easily by helping out Haters & Co. Haters & Co is run by Zara Hader. She is incredible. She has the most incredible baking skills and packaging skills. She's just every kind of aesthetic that I wish I had. And unless you're freakishly talented like her, you probably wish you had as well. So Haders & Co, that is Haders underscore and underscore co. I'll put the name in all the descriptions and stuff. Um, But she's super talented. She's based in Newcastle in NE10 postcode. But... They do deliveries to your house. You're fine. Order yourself a Christmas treat right now and get yourself all the, you know, 
I suppose they're called popsicles now, but we're not American. Um, popsicles and cake treats and tarts. And like at one point, I think she did cinnamon rolls and all this kind of stuff. She's just so talented. Everything is so well priced. And if you look at this Instagram page, honestly, it is stunning. So go over to haters underscore and underscore co from Newcastle and get yourself something special for Christmas. Go and buy now. And so for today's section of Best Record Yet, I've got a fantastic recommendation from Lucy Schofield. Thank you so much for sending in this recommendation. It's so good. I mean, I was only expecting a couple of sentences, but Lucy went above and beyond and it's amazing. So she said, hey, Mark, so I would love to recommend the artist Ms. White to your listeners. She's an artist who I found through Spotify's recommendations. Her style of music has been described as a mix of jazz and pop. I love jazz. My favourite album of hers is called Marina. It features one of her most popular songs called Arizona, which is about her first time being intimate with a cis man and how he treats her differently because she's a trans woman. I find her songs really empowering and would recommend the listeners to listen to the songs Arizona, Marina and Stone Street as an introduction to her amazing work. Again, thank you so much for that recommendation. Um, that fits in so nicely with you know one of the ethos of this podcast, which is supporting Alfie Makepeace. So I'm very grateful for you for shedding some light on some queer music. That's a great recommendation. Thank you. And there you have it. That is the end of another episode of Mark My Words. Don't forget the colon. Thank you to everyone who's been a part of this podcast today. I'm very grateful for Matthew coming on and speaking about his political beliefs and how he's had a relationship with the Labour Party for such a long time. Um, obviously, he's only representing his own views. And so please, when you're uh, considering the conversation that we had, bear in mind that this is obviously not Matthew being expected to represent the entire Labour Party or the left wing, but this is him and his opinion. So please be respectful. But I'm also very grateful for him for being open about not only his political beliefs, but where he differs from the current party line. And I think that's a very fair way to discuss politics, because at the end of the day, if you haven't got your own personal opinion, then are you really thinking? So thank you very much to him for coming on the podcast and discussing that with me. Uh, thank you to Lucy for her brilliant musical recommendation. I really appreciated that. Um, head over to the podcast that I recommended this episode. It's one of my favorites and I'm really loving listening to it at the moment. And as ever, when you hear this podcast, you know to go and donate to Alfie's GoFundMe page. Please go ahead with that. Send in an order to Haters & Co. if you want to, if you're in the Newcastle area. And uh, give this episode a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or give it a follow on Spotify or just generally spread the word. I could always do with more people listening to me talking in a room on my own because that's a podcast. <laughs> anyway, until the next episode. Thanks. Bye.